Welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Schmitz. I am joined by my co-host, Mike Schmitz. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Today, we're going to talk about motivation. And actually, I believe it was you who thought of this a few days ago. I did. I called an audible. Yeah. Not so, really an audible, but I suggested the topic and you said, okay. So <laughs> Yeah. So what inspired you to suggest motivation? Well, a couple of different things. Um, number one, we had recorded an episode number 14 on what to do when things aren't working. And we talked about some of the struggles we've had with the school stuff this year and some of the adjustments that we've made to overcome those. We've discussed those in uh, episodes leading up to this one, but we kind of had a eureka moment recently, which has made things a lot smoother. So kind of long-term follow-up to that episode. Also, I am reading for Bookworm at the moment, a book called The Motivation Code by Todd Henry. And I'm not very far into it yet. The premise of that book is that there's an assessment and it helps you identify your type of motivation so that you can motivate yourself the appropriate way. And I think that's really the key here is not the goals that you set or even the systems that you create. Like those things are great because they can provide a scaffolding or a, a framework that can help keep you on the right path. But ultimately motivation is the gas in your tank. If you don't have it, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. And in looking at the definition for motivation, it's an act or an instance of motivating or providing with a reason to act in a certain way. It's a state or condition of being motivated or having a strong reason to act or accomplish something, something that motivates inducement incentive. So one of my favorite quotes that I came across in searching out this topic of motivation is by Zig Ziglar. He said, people often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why (laughs) we recommend it daily. Yep. Yep, exactly. And uh, anybody who has been motivated at one point in time to accomplish a goal, we've talked about how I have issues with with goals, but let's just set that aside for a moment. (laughs) Anybody who's been motivated to do something in the past uh, has experienced this, where you get super excited about something initially, and then it just kind of dies off, and you start off strong, but then it just sort of peters out. Why wouldn't we take that same approach to the motivation when it's obvious that the thing that we do at the beginning to create it isn't going to last in the long term? Yeah, I guess it again goes back. I feel like we talk about this a lot. goes back to having a vision. And so your motivation is the very thing that's driving you to do the thing regularly, whatever that thing may be. It could be anything really. But if we don't consistently put that in front of us, then that motivation wanes. And the activity stops. Mm-hmm. And I, that basic principle applies to anything that we are trying to be motivated to do. Yep. So we could say that motivation comes when we have a vision for where we're actually going to go, where we want to go, like a road trip. You're motivated to get there because you have a destination in mind. Your vision is the end game, right, of where you want to be. And you keep driving and you keep taking the right turns because you want to get there. If we just are on a road trip and don't have an end in mind and are just wandering and driving, pretty soon we're going to get sick of it and just turn around and be back to where we started. (laughs) It's true. Uh, With a road trip specifically, I don't think we've really gone on any super long road trips since we had kids. 
But if you have a really long trip, it's it's not just the destination at the beginning that keeps you going. When you know you've got another 20 hours in the car, sometimes just picturing yourself at your destination isn't enough. You got to take it one step at a time. And you say, oh, that next town is only 10 miles away. I'm just going to be <laughs> yeah. focused on the road until I get to that town. And then when you get there, you you see the next dot in front of you and you just keep going that way, one foot in front of the other. But th- I mean, that's a really stupid example of breaking down your your motivation. But I think that's important. And it's something that we don't naturally do. We're great at saying, well, I want to get to this place. And in order to get there, obviously, I need to get in the car and go. So we start. And uh, in the natural car road trip analogy, you know, you're not going to start the car and then get halfway and be like, okay, I'm bored. I'm going to turn around. But when it comes to a lot of the stuff and the systems in our day-to-day life, there's no penalty for turning around. We just stop doing it because we don't have to go all the way back to home base and put in, you know, double effort to get back. It's just... We park the car on the side of the road and we get out and we forget about it. Yeah, another example I thought of um, with one of my children is that one of them really has not loved reading by any stretch of the imagination. And so knowing that, you know, everyone should be able to read, right? That's the goal. And knowing how important this is, I was, I've been very motivated to work with him daily on the goal of reading more proficiently. And the motivation is just the picture of me seeing him reading well and starting to love it eventually. But if I get frustrated and just give up, well, if he doesn't want to, then I'm not going to help him. But knowing that the motivation, the drive is to really see him flourishing in that area someday, then that daily motivation of practicing with him is there. Yeah. And then you celebrate your wins along the way. And when he does something better than he did it before you celebrate that you know i started taking guitar lessons i think this was my fourth one today now first time i've ever taken guitar lessons and it's really really difficult (laughs) because i just taught myself the uh the chords to play along with some songs that i downloaded off the internet in, in college and I'm going back to the basics and learning all the scales and all of the theory and stuff like that. And my brain has never been asked to move in those ways before. <laughs> so at the beginning, it's really, really hard. My hand is not used to doing these things, but the more I do it, the more repetitions I get, the more it becomes ingrained. And I'm getting to the point now where I can definitely see the improvement. And so then it's, you know, I've got this mode and I've got this shape down and I'm learning like one more and I just keep stacking them on top of each other at that point. That's really how you make some progress. And when it comes to motivation, you don't look at, oh, look how much I have to master before I'm a proficient guitar player. You just say, what's the next scale I'm going to learn? What's the next mode shape I'm going to learn? What's the next chord I'm going to learn? You just do it over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, And guitar lessons are an interesting application of this, in in my opinion, because the teacher is only going to give you a little bit at a time, even though he knows where ultimately he's trying to get you to end up. He's not going to tell you, oh, this is where you're going, because if he did that at at the beginning, you would get 
overwhelmed and you'd be like, oh man, that's going to be years from now. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be like me giving my son a chapter book that is beyond his reading level and be like, okay, this is what I expect of you. I want you to sit down and read this now. But I don't do that. We walk through words and they get more complex as we go on or you give him something that is just outside of Mm -hmm. his current ability level so that he has to stretch himself and that act of stretching himself is what causes the growth to happen but the fact that it is just barely outside what he's able to do right now that's where the motivation comes in yep it's just enough to keep stretching him a little bit at a time Mm -hmm. otherwise we'll burst if we try and do too much right away And we won't want to keep doing it. It'll be overwhelming. Yeah, I didn't really intend for this episode to be turned into a habits discussion, but that's kind of what it is. I I mean, it is connected, though. They're very related. It is, because if you just have this goal of, I want to do this big thing, that's where it's easy for the motivation to wane and you to just give up on something. I feel like a lot of people, when they set those New Year's resolution-type goals, There's motivation in the moment because everybody's setting these things and making these resolutions. This is going to be the year I get in shape. This will be the year that I lose 30 pounds, you know, and then you do it for a little while. You don't see that you're making any progress towards that goal. And so at that point, your motivation is zapped. You have to figure out a way to bring it back. And the way to bring it back is to break it down into these tiny, tiny, tiny steps. The smallest thing that you can do in the moment to move yourself forward. And by setting that target, you know, just a little bit further, just a little bit further, just a little bit further, you keep walking down that path that way, then you end up where you want to be. And motivation is really the art of setting the next flag. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few different things here. The idea of goals can be very misleading, I guess, having just an end destination in mind, like we've kind of mentioned, like this big goal of, I want to do this thing. And like you were saying, a goal can't be accomplished until we actually figure out what specific habit, small habit, we can do to get there. Mm -hmm. Because any goal worth accomplishing is going to take time. Anything that takes time needs motivation. Otherwise, we'll stop. So, I mean, going back to the road trip example, that's not necessarily a perfect example, but there are a few components to, to it. So like... Your goal could be your end destination, sure. But when you said you need little habits, little steps along the way, and I also, going back to that, liked when you said you may not be like looking at, oh, there's 20 hours left. Oh, gosh, I'm going to sit in this car for 20 hours. But when you said, yeah, you look at the road signs, you're like, oh, this little town's in 10 miles. And, I, you know, you do that. And I do that too. Like even on two hour car rides, you're like, oh, our next turnoff is in this, this amount of time or this many miles. Just a little bit further, just a little bit further. Yeah. And that's, (laughs) that's kind of the idea of motivation too. It's like almost like a carrot dangled in front of you. Like, okay, just a little bit more because you need to have, you do, do need to have that vision. You need to have that end destination in mind, but there needs to be that constant continual motivation to keep making progress as well. Yeah, and even the ultimate destination, when it comes to a lot of like the habits that you would set, it's less important, I think, than knowing what the next step is. 
you don't need to have everything figured out. Like you do on a road trip. You do have to know where you want to end up <laughs> yes. on a road trip. But when it comes to habits and motivation, the real thing is just knowing what the next step is. And when you get there, you can reevaluate and figure out what the next step is. And then you just keep rinsing, rinsing and repeating that over and over and over again. There's a book that I read a while back called The Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal. And I want to talk about this a little bit, this balance of motivation versus willpower. Because I think willpower is a very real thing. Uh, and as it pertains to motivation in the road trip example or any goal-setting example, that's really the approach that a lot of people take is I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to summon up all the willpower that I have to force myself to be disciplined in either a positive or negative uh, negative way. When I, what I mean by that is uh, an additive or a... Uh, or although like you're adding something to your daily routine that you want to do regularly, like exercise, or you're removing something like cutting out snacks, you know, going to the pantry, eating potato chips, that sort of thing. And willpower is present in both of those things. But I believe that motivation is the thing that can just trump all of that stuff at any given moment because there are things that will happen when it doesn't matter how much willpower you have left, you have the motivation to affect the change you want or need. Uh, like there are stories of, of moms who are not big, like weightlifter type people and uh, their child's in danger. You know, they're pinned under a car or whatever, and they summon up the strength where it's like to move the car. That's all adrenaline. In other words, that's all motivation. And it's kind of linked to like the whole fight versus flight thing. Uh, now, you don't want to live in a constant state of fight versus flight. That's a, your body's biological reaction to keep you alive. Yeah, you'll have a chemical imbalance quickly in your brain. You'll be stressed <laughs> out. You'll be burnt out. But the thing here is that motivation does not need to stress you out. You can design these systems in your life to create that motivation without the impending doom, like right there. <laughs> Like things are going to all fall apart unless I do this thing. Uh, you can turn this on its head and you can have positive motivation. And that's really the, the key here is figuring out what are the things that are going to cause you to step out and take action, even if your willpower isn't there, even if you feel like you got nothing left in the tank. What are the things that you can do to create even a little bit of momentum in the right direction? Yeah, very good. Yeah, willpower, it definitely is, I don't know, I would definitely agree that it's a limited resource. You know, you can start off the day intending to eat really healthy. Let's just go with that example. And then when, so I don't know about you, but a lot of times by the afternoon, I feel a little lethargic, a little tired. You know, I've been working for six hours with the kids on their schoolwork and different things. And that's the point where it's much easier to grab something unhealthy, snacky, that I started off in the morning intending not to have. But if the motivation, like we said, is there, then I have a greater vision for why I want to eat healthy. And so that motivates me to not go for the empty carbs. Yeah, the thing with willpower is that a lot of people use it as a lag measure to justify, oh, this is why I gave in and I did that thing I didn't want to do. <laughs> uh, and 
you do want to recognize those things and do certain things to conserve your willpower. I mean, kind of famously, Steve Jobs and all these like really successful people, they uh, would wear the same thing every single day just so that they didn't have to make a decision about what they were going to wear in the morning because they wanted to have as much willpower as they had. They wanted to have all of their mental resources available for the decisions that really mattered. What you're talking about is like you get to the end of the day, you your mental resources are depleted, and that's when you're most susceptible. And I agree with that, but I also think that in addition to setting yourself up for success and doing everything you can to conserve those resources, the other side of this coin is the motivation where even if you find yourself in one of those situations where, oh, darn it, I should have been a little bit more careful. Now I got this thing that I got to do anyways. What am I going to do now? I guess I'm just out of luck because I don't have any willpower left. No, you're not helpless at that point. You can pull the motivation lever and take action. Yeah. I mean, I'm not always, mo- I don't always feel like I want to do every single lesson in every single subject with all four of my boys every day. I mean, <laughs> really. <laughs> but my motivation is always there because it's my responsibility to educate them. And that motivation, it it carries me through each and every school day throughout the year because that motivation is, is big enough, is strong enough, mm-hmm. even when I'm super exhausted. Yeah. Now, we mentioned at the beginning there was a system that got tweaked recently, and this definitely pertains to this whole discussion of yeah, motivation. Yeah, this definitely is the most recent big example of this for us. School, you know, each school day is a little bit different. And we made a tweak recently that our boys, we've mentioned this before, love video games. And so mm-hmm. once they finish all the responsibilities, they get to play. Well, we used to do it where we would trade off the order and who goes first, second, third, fourth. Which worked fine in the summertime when there was was no school. Yes. And then we realized, I mean, how far are we into school now? What, two and a half months at least? Mm -hmm. We realized that this isn't working because you have a first grader who his, the sum of all his schoolwork does not take very long compared to his seventh grade brother, right? But he was making it take forever because of his attitude. And you were getting frustrated because... It's like, this isn't even going to take you long. Just do it. (laughs) Yeah, this could be done in, you know, a couple of hours if you would just sit down and apply yourself. Yeah. We talked about the the one-on-ones that you were doing where you're working with each kid individually, and that helped. But really, the thing that really has caused this to take off is this adjustment that we made here. And this is very much in line with what I have learned in the last several years of working from home, that the time that you put in does not matter. The work that you do does. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You are judged by the output, not the seat time. Yeah. And we want to teach our kids that specific principle. Well, the way to do that is to motivate them with video games. Yes. (laughs) Because their whole world revolves around video games. Yeah. So basically what we do now is the first one that has all their lessons and responsibilities completed gets to play their game time first. And our seventh grader never finishes first because he by far has the most schoolwork and he doesn't care. Like he totally agrees with like, yeah, for sure. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. Because what I was finding is that 
they would all get their stuff done, but a lot of times they weren't all done until you know later in the afternoon, and then they all want to play their game time, and then we're getting yep. into the evening, and it just was not working. And so now our first grader, first thing, he wakes up in the morning, a lot of times even before breakfast now, and has a stack of schoolwork, <laughs> and he's like a million miles per hour guy. Mm-hmm. And my biggest thing with him is, going back and checking his work and making sure he actually read the instructions yep, and did it making correctly. Making sure he's doing it right. Exactly. Yes. But that was a huge change. And I have one son that still kind of gives me a little grief about starting, but then really quickly turns it around and he just gets going on it. Exactly. So what was happening was we were changing who played first every day because that was a system that we had set up during the summer. And so Toby, the seventh grader, he was going first. He was doing his schoolwork until the afternoon because he has that much schoolwork to do. And then he would go first and then everybody else would play after him. But in the meantime, you're getting really frustrated trying to get people to finish their schoolwork. Yeah. And that is actually making it take longer for everybody because you're trying to make sure that the younger ones are actually doing what they're supposed to be doing, not just picking on each other and there's no real motivation for them to get done sooner because they got to wait for their older brother to get done before they could play their games anyways. And so we've kind of just changed everything, like you said, by saying whoever is done with their school, like then you can play your game. Basic principle, you do your work first, then <laughs> yeah. you can do what you want. Yeah. All right, so that has created the motivation now for... I'm going to apply myself all morning and then I'm going to get this done and then I'm going to just be able to relax. And in the the rest of the time, you're able to focus on what you need to be doing with each individual kid during their one-on-ones because now that motivation causes them to stay on track. Yeah, it used to be where we I'd be doing one-on-ones well after lunchtime into the afternoon which basically meant that I couldn't get any other work done. You know, I have ministry responsibilities. I teach on Tuesdays. I have to do lesson plans and different things, you know, household things, personal things, mm-hmm. reaching out to friends things. You know what I'm saying? Like, And now I'm actually able to get to a lot of that in the afternoon, which is really great, and actually take advantage of when my daughter naps. Because, you know, any of you moms know that have a napper. It's like you do as much as you can during that nap as possible when <laughs> the toddler's sleeping. Most wonderful time of the day. Yes. <laughs> we say that to our daughter like, guess what? It's the most wonderful time of the day. She goes, no. <laughs> she knows it's nap time. <sighs> but yeah. that's made such an incredible difference. And a lot of times my one-on-ones have been completed before lunch, which is like a huge, huge change. It used to be hours after lunch that we'd be still wrapping up. Yep. So one thing that Dwight D. Eisenhower said that really relates to this is that motivation is the art of getting people to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. <laughs> I love that. And yes. It totally applies to this. This works the same way with children and the boys are motivated because they want to play their game time. Yep. Yep. And honestly, they really do a good job. They're not rushing through it. And mm-hmm. my son, who has a historically hated school, is he's doing really well. He's like flying through. We're able to do twice as much language arts as he used to because that motivation is there. That want to is there, which is a huge, huge improvement. 
Yeah, in the business world, they would call this a win-win. And that is really <laughs> yeah. the goal with motivating other people is figuring out what you want, what outcome you desire, figuring out what outcome they desire, and then working together to accomplish that by connecting them. Uh, there's another aspect to leadership here that kind of ties into this where people will follow you basically when they are convinced that you can get them where they want to go. So what you are doing here is you are convincing our children that you can help them get to their video game time as soon as possible <laughs> because that is what is motivating to them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then once they understand that you're on their side, you're not just telling them, hey, you've got to do all this work. You're not the bad guy anymore. Then it just reduces a lot of the friction in working together. Yeah, it's not like mom doesn't let me do anything I want because I've actually heard that come from the lips of some of my children. You don't want me to, you don't even want me to do what I want to do. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. My whole job is to make your life miserable. I know you think that, but it's not true. <laughs> um, Our but, job is to keep you alive. <laughs> <laughs> with boys, it's so true. But the reward of video games is being used as an incentive to keep them motivated and to follow through on their responsibilities. Yep. And ultimately, the goal, uh, as our goal as parents, is to get them to understand this formula and to create enough success in doing it for themselves that by the time they leave the house, they are confident that they don't need mom and dad to hold their hands anymore, that they understand the whole principle behind motivation and habits and discipline. I mean, that's kind of in the next section here, but discipline feels yucky in the moment sometimes because you don't like putting in the effort with exercise specifically. It can be really difficult at the beginning, especially to be disciplined enough to show up every day and to put in the effort. But after a while, you get used to how good you feel when you get done. And when you start your workout, you're not even thinking about, oh, I don't even feel it like it today, you're so focused on like, oh, this is going to be great when I'm finished. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And we've done our job if when it's time for them to transition to um, being more independent, maybe moving out of the house, going to college, you know, having a full-time job, etc. If they are responsible enough to follow through on whoever their superior is in their workplace or school or whatever it is, that they will follow through and do the best work that they can and mm -hmm. complete what they need to complete. And that doesn't happen just when we send them out someday when they're 18 or some magical number. Yep. This is instilled in them at a very young age. And the more we can, more repetitions we get, more practice we get, the more that set up they will be for success later on. Exactly. So motivation is the first thing. That's what gets you moving. And the first time that you do something, you're like, wow, that was really hard, but at least I did it and I yeah. feel good about it. And then consistency is the next piece where you practice over and over and over again, like I was talking about with my scales, and it just keeps getting easier and easier and easier. And then the activation energy, it's called, that's required for you to sit down and do the thing becomes less, meaning there's less resistance, there's less, less friction there working against you. So 
as you continue to practice the right things, you actually don't need as much motivation to keep showing up every day. It gets easier. Yeah. Another quote I really liked relating to this is, when you look at people who are successful, you'll find that they aren't the people who are motivated, but who have consistency in their motivation. So it's not just about me being motivated. It's about being consistent in that motivation. And yes. I hear you uh, now, it, during your workday, even like taking breaks and you're on your guitar, which I don't <laughs> remember true. hearing that yep. for a long time anyway. Yeah, no, it's it's true. Uh, it's because, like a mental break for you almost. It is. It's a different kind of different kind of brain exercise. Yeah, different part <laughs> of your brain is being activated. <laughs> which honestly, there's a whole episode just yeah, in that probably whole... <laughs> about mode shifting and stuff like that. But there's motivation for me now because I don't want to get to a lesson and look like an idiot because I didn't practice. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the initial motivation is like, I can't disappoint my teacher. I don't yeah. want to waste his time. Yeah. But then the more that I do it and I hear myself improving, then it's like, hey, this is working mm -hmm. and there's motivation to keep doing it. And now it's like at the beginning where it was really difficult for me to pick up the guitar and do the scales because it was just so uncomfortable. Now it's like, hey, I'm going to get some more reps in. I'm going to do some more scales. And I find myself actually practicing more now even though I'm getting better at the things that I'm I'm doing just because I can see the growth that's that's happening there. So there's motivation here, you know, it it changes as we go. The motivation at the beginning is I don't want to disappoint somebody. And that is one form of motivation and that is kind of like accountability. That's a great place to start if you haven't really ever considered this before. But ultimately, the better kind of motivation is the internal motivation where you've identified, this is just who I am. I identify as a guitar player. What does a guitar player do? They practice the guitar. Yeah, identity is a huge, huge part of this. And we have touched on this before, but if you want to instill the habits that will get you to where you want to be, changing your identity is the way to do it. Exactly. And when you identify as that person, that's really when the consistency comes because what does a writer do? They, they write. write. <laughs> what does a runner do? They run. You know, you can apply this to any sort of goal or outcome you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And your motivation at the beginning, like with running, you know, when I signed up for the half marathon, the goal was to run the half marathon. We talked about this in other episodes where I learned my lesson and my motivation had to change and it had to become something that was just internally rewarding because I liked going for the run. It wasn't focused on the time. It wasn't focused on the distance. It wasn't any of that stuff. It wasn't finishing the race. It was just, hey, this is enjoyable. And when you learn to love the process, you want to do it. <laughs> yeah. And for me, I guess my big one this year would be speaking. We joined a Toastmasters group in end of February, beginning of March. And it's interesting because my goal is not to complete all these levels in Toastmasters itself. It's basically to get more practice communicating. Mm -hmm. And the goal was, or what I had in mind was this very podcast, to be a more effective communicator so that the message that we have burning in us, that we can clearly communicate it to all of you. And now, on the topic of Toastmasters specifically, that kind of gets into the last point here mm -hmm. because you're putting yourself in a group of people who are 
all motivated to accomplish the same goal. We're all there goal. for the same reason, basically. Exactly. So in that in that environment, it's easy to show up and do it because you got yeah. a bunch of people who are basically cheering you on. Yeah, it's a safe place to practice. And it's really great because the feedback that you get, because you have an evaluator when you give a speech, right? And they'll give you really encouraging feedback. But then um, the good evaluations will also give you some constructive feedback, not nitpicking. And it's not scary. The evaluations are super, super valuable. It's my favorite part. I have grown (laughs) so much just from little tweaks that people have suggested, or maybe you want to consider, you know, wrapping it up this way or just little things. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've just grown so much from that. And motivation is simple. You eliminate those who are not motivated. That's another quote that I really, really liked. Yeah, and by Lou Holtz, yeah. who that's a pretty famous coach of uh, the Notre Dame football team. Okay. So <laughs> they were very, very successful. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, so if you think of a team, like if they are all trying to do the same thing, win, right? What <laughs> Sports teams, yep. they all want to win, right? Well, they're all surrounded and they have the same vision. Mm-hmm. And with us, it's like it's just as important for us to surround ourselves with those people that are also motivated. So for Toastmasters, if you want to get better at communicating on any level, you surround yourself with people that are also trying to improve in communication. <laughs> and to eliminate or actually, it, you don't got to be careful with this, like eliminate people like, OK, let's clarify. Eliminate this. the voices. Yes. So um, be careful who you're actually listening to Mm -hmm. so yeah just surrounding yourself with the right people (laughs) i did an exercise for a bookworm episode and i forget the book that it was pertaining to but one of my action items was to go through and list all of the people that i interact with on a regular basis and internally rate them on a scale of plus 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 to minus minus in terms of were they adding to me or were they taking from me you know, Jim Rohn, I think, is the one who said to identify the people in your life and to ask yourself, you know, who am I allowing to speak into my life? What effect is that having on me? And is that okay? There are some people that are just going to be a part of your life and nothing you can do about it. That's totally fine. Some relationships, you know, if they're toxic, if you recognize this person's always taking from me, it's a one-sided relationship, then maybe you do look for ways to get yourself out of that. But other people, just knowing that when I interact with this person, I'm going to be giving, I'm not going to be getting, and that's okay. It just kind of changes the framing as you go into it. But changes the, your expectations. Exactly. But the real valuable thing is recognizing who are the people who sow into your life, who actually add life to you. Those are the people you want to surround yourself with. Uh, I mentioned this to your brother when I was in the process of this exercise and he's like, oh, I hope I made the plus list and his name is Christopher. So, oh, don't worry. You're, you're C++. <laughs> so yeah, that's his nickname going forward forever. C++. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the boys figured out recently, well, actually, dad, that's B minus. So they call him B minus. <laughs> but the exercise is important to recognize those people that have the same motivation as you that are going to help propel you to where you want to go. And that's not, we're not saying that in like a selfish way, but it is really important to identify 
I don't remember who it was, but somebody said that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yes. So you want to surround yourself with other people who are motivated to make positive changes in their life. Right. And one of the really cool ways that you can do that, regardless of your situation, where you happen to find yourself, you're listening to this right now, you're listening to a podcast. You can download a podcast at any time. And there's a lot of podcasts that I listen to just for entertainment value. A lot of tech podcasts. I really just enjoy listening to them. He's a nerd. Don't worry. I am a nerd. But the thing that got me going in this whole productivity space is just looking for productivity podcasts and listening to those because I could not find anybody around me who was interested in those things. And with podcasts specifically, the thing I love about podcasts is you're listening to us, we're recording this, we're sitting at a table, and you feel like you have a seat at the table. <laughs> you know, even though we don't have a personal relationship, you, in, in a sense, by listening to this episode to this point, you are allowing us the privilege of speaking into your life, for which we are grateful. But you get to curate the voices that you choose via podcasts to allow to speak into your life. And there are some really powerful voices out there. Michael Hyatt, and I mentioned Jim Rohn. While you can't just show up at Michael Hyatt's house and be like, hey, let's hang out, essentially you could have coffee with him by listening to his podcast, <laughs> which true. I think is super cool. It is. Yeah, it is. It's a very unique format. And so we don't take this lightly at all. And honestly, we pray together before we record because uh, we don't want to speak lightly and we don't want to sway people <laughs> wrong. We're basically just trying to share what's on our heart, what what's helped us and hoping that it helps someone out there. Exactly. <laughs> um, so with that, we really hope that this sparked some ideas for you. Maybe there's something in your life where you're like, I really need to get motivated to do X consistently. So identify that thing, identify what is truly motivating you and what's the tiny little adjustment you can make each day to accomplish that. Actually, one other thing I'll add for that specifically is this exercise called the five whys, where when you ask yourself why you want to do something, that's really what you're talking about. When you're talking about motivation. But as it pertains to internal motivation, you can answer that first question why and it's always something superficial and you got to keep digging. So when you take that answer, you ask why again, you get another layer deeper. By the time you've asked yourself why five times, that's really when you're getting to the core motivation. Yeah. So I actually am probably going to do this on myself after we're done recording here. <laughs> I have been terrible at working out consistently. If there's one thing I'm bad at, it is self-care um, where I don't, you know, I can be all motivated to help my kids go through all these things, do everything for everyone else. But when it comes to doing something for myself, I don't know. It just isn't that important to me, which is not good. Right. I understand it's not good. So I can go through this exercise with myself. Why I, should I work out? I did this a while back when I was doing the half marathon goals. And ultimately what it came down to, my fifth why was that I remember growing up that like I would go play basketball with my dad and he would get, he would hurt himself, you know, and I 
was motivated when I saw that. I've always felt really, really bad. When we're in high school, you know, we're playing basketball, I feel like I got to hold back. Don't want to hurt my dad, you know? And I was like, I don't want that to be me with my kids. I want to be able to wrestle around with them. I want to be able to just go have fun with them and not ever have not to think about that. Not be fragile physically. Exactly. Yeah. Not that my dad was fragile, but like that was always in the back of my mind, you know, and I don't want my kids to have to worry about that. So yeah. that's ultimately what it came down to for me. And that's just like a personal example. Yours is going to be going to be different, but it's interesting the stuff that surfaces when you dig deep enough. Yeah, that's good. And that's where the real driving motivation comes from. Exactly. Except, otherwise, the surfacey reasons that come up right away, those won't last. Yeah, that's the thing you want to attach yourself to. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to experiment on myself and um, I'll check back with all of you and let you know how, <laughs> that, how that's going. All right. <laughs> so thanks so much for listening to the Intentional Family Podcast today. It was an honor to walk with you even further in this journey together. We can be found at intentionalfamily.fm. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally. Intentionally.